What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After School Program, the podcast where we talk with successful young adults about how they navigate their lives and careers after school. Today's guest is Connor Gross. Connor is a 24-year-old entrepreneur who sold a seven-figure phone wallet business, Cardly, while he was still in college at Northeastern University. After graduation, Connor worked at the e-commerce marketing company, Privy. He then left Privy to pursue entrepreneurship full-time starting, acquiring, and growing businesses. His current ventures include a car and boat illustration company, a phone editing company, and a tiny house blog. You can follow Connor on Twitter at C underscore G-R-O to hear about his thoughts on e-commerce, business, and side hustles. You can also listen to him on his podcast, The Next Generation Podcast, where he and his co-host talk with over 20-something entrepreneurs who are building the future. In this episode, we talk about why and how Connor started his current business, how he is using social media to build his network, how Connor and his partner grew a seven-figure company out of their college dorm rooms, how Connor decided to leave his job at Privy, what he has learned from interviewing over 20 entrepreneurs, and his best and worst stories from traveling to over 30 countries. Here he is, Connor Gross. All right, Connor. Yeah, thanks a ton for coming on the podcast, man. Really appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. So I think I want to start with you recently bought a tiny house blog. What <laughs> went into that decision and how come you decided to do that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good first question. Um, so last year during COVID, we, we basically, my partner and I sold our business uh, Cardly, and I'm sure we'll kind of get into that whole story later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were originally selling it, we kind of had this thought process of, all right, cool. Like we're going to have to take like six months, a year off chill, not have to think about anything. We got some money in the bank now, like perfect. Uh, and this is on January 1st of 2020. And then like three weeks later, we're like, holy shit, we are bored. And actually, I don't know. I should ask you first if I could curse. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 podcast. you're good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. We're like, we're like, wow, we are so bored. And like, like this is like our senior semester and stuff like that. So like we're going out, we're having fun, like, you know, just, you know, a couple months before COVID hit and all that stuff. Um, but when we we're just sitting around, we we're like, okay, so I guess we just go to class and like hang out with friends afterwards, whatever. Uh, but we quickly, like our, our pigeon brains were just like, we got to do something. We got to do something. Um, mm-hmm. So we found some guy who basically was selling a tiny house blog. Um, I, it's, it's funny. My girlfriend's birthday was like the week before we actually yeah, found and how'd you, how'd you find that guy? It was through a Facebook group. Uh, okay. So I'm in a Facebook group called Trends. It's basically like you pay, I think it's like 300 bucks a year or something like that. And you're mm-hmm. in this group of like 10,000 other entrepreneurs and they all just like riff on business ideas and like share opportunities and like what they're kind of seeing in the space. So, so it's a pretty cool okay. group That's if cool. anyone's looking for something like that. Um, but so the week before we actually found this and, and like it got brought up, I had actually gone on like an overnight trip with my girlfriend to a tiny house. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a little like, not an Airbnb, but it's called getaway.com. And so I came back from this thing and like, I paid like, it was like 250 bucks for the night or something like that. And like, they put you up in like this tiny cabin. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, like this is cool. But like, this thing must be a cash cow for these guys. Like mm. they had 40 other little lots. They had like a fireplace, but like these units don't cost anything more than like $40,000. So the original pitch was, I was talking to my buddy Gio and I was like, Hey man, we should just do this. Like we should buy like, you know, a couple acres of land, like buy a couple prefab houses and we'll go out there and do this. Uh, yeah. so we're kind, of, we're kind of letting that idea marinate for a little bit. Right. Cause uh, you have an interest in real estate too, from, from what I've seen. Yeah. trying to at least uh and 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 so um we were thinking about that for a little bit and then this came along we're like ah you know what this seems much cheaper and much more like accessible just to kind of like entertain us for a little bit Mm -hmm. um so the whole premise there was we wanted to buy it because 
Uh, it was already like, say we bought it and did nothing, did not touch it for the next three years. We're like, we're going to make our money back. It's, it's a no brainer, but we really bought it because it came with like a 35,000 person email list. It had mm-hmm. good content that was already written. It was in a space that we think that we could sell a lot of products through, whether they're like appliances or like even creating a marketplace for other builders to sell tiny houses. So okay. saw a lot of opportunity there. Um, and honestly, like right now, like it's not our main focus, but it's something that can kind of just cash flow pretty nicely in the background while we work on a couple other projects as well. Right. Yeah. It seems like is am I wrong in saying your main focus is respoke collection right now? Yeah, that's probably the main thing that I'm working on right now. Um, okay. And I can I can dive into that too. It's, it's another one of those I'm really bored during quarantine projects yeah. and, and wanted to kind of kind of get into it. Um, yeah. Respoke's basically an e-commerce site uh, entirely geared towards car and actually like boat enthusiasts too. Now we just launched a boat product. Um, but basically, like again, last April, same story, more or less, like COVID had hit at this point. And I'm chatting with another buddy from college, my, my buddy Nick, and he's super into cars. Like, I don't know anything about cars, don't even own one, like, right. like very uninformed in the space. But what I love about it is, you know, my background's in e-commerce. And I know that people spend a ton of money on their cars, especially when they're really into them. And Nick mm-hmm. kind of knew like a lot of people in the space. He ran like a digital marketing, or I guess it was probably more of a media production business um, for like BMW, Michelin, like some of the big guys in the space before. Okay. And so he was like, "Hey, I just got this thing from a gift that, from a buddy. One of the coolest gifts I've got before. It's like my BMW E30 as like a portrait. And you know, like now I hang it up in my living room. Like it's a cool like thing. I was like." okay, like, like, you think people will buy that? He's like, I think people would love it. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, you want to like whip up together a Shopify site? We'll, we'll try to start selling some of these. Um, and then, yeah, we've, we've been doing it now for the past uh, couple couple months, about like 12 months or no, probably, probably more like 14 or 15 months now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been going really well. Like auto enthusiasts love it. Like, like we literally got some review today saying like, uh, like this is kind of made my, made my entire week. Uh, we yeah. had, we had some guy who, um, I guess he, he got cancer or something like that. And his buddy like like brought him one of his old cars as a portrait, like in the hospital. And he's like, he's like, you have not seen the smile on this guy's face for like the past like six months. And I was like, wow, like here I am thinking we're selling like yeah. car portraits and like people are loving it. So it's, it's a pretty really cool, cool. cool branch. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, car people, they are diehard about their particular oh, yeah. car. I mean, they all got a name for it and all. I'm not I'm not buying a, one for, you know, like my freaking Camry, like 06 Camry that just had its side view taken off and right. filling, you <laughs> yeah. know, but, uh, exactly. but, but yeah, dude, those, those guys freaking love their cars, man. And then uh, I want to hear a little bit about more about the Next Generation podcast. You started that with your buddy Gio, who you guys uh, started up Cardly and sold that off and, and we'll get into that later but how did the next generation podcast come up yeah so really what it came down to um and i we can kind of get into like how like i think about starting new projects later on too mm-hmm. um but what it what it really was, was i was like okay cool i'm doing some fun business stuff right now like that's 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 working like things are starting to grow there a little bit uh so i can kind of like check off like this business box right like i'm traveling a lot right now like you know i've been taking trips with some of my buddies so we're going to like Mexico and I was skiing with my buddy in like Colorado and stuff like that. Like, like I'm having like the social life for my part, like that part's checked off. Like, what am I not doing a lot of right now though? And my answer was like, I'm not meeting a lot of like really interesting people. Um, and this kind of came, you know, partially from graduating school. Like after you graduate school, it's just frankly tougher to meet a lot of new people unless like mm-hmm. you're getting jobs and you're kind of like networking throughout the company and stuff. But even then that can be a little limited. And so in my head, I was like, okay, like you, you always feel like this, phrase like your net works your net worth and like you know as corny as it is like can kind of be true especially at a, at a higher level 
And mm-hmm. so from my standpoint, I was like, okay, like I'm not meeting a lot of people in school. I, like I'm, I'm thinking about quitting my job in a couple months or whatever like that. So like, I'm not going to be meeting a lot of people there. So like, I need to start doing something that like I'm intentionally going out and finding really interesting people and I'm chatting with them. And I, like the only way that I thought that that could work would be through a podcast because, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn. And like, I can't tell you how many times it gets kind of annoying just to see a message come in and say, Hey, like Connor, can I like pick your brain and like grab a virtual coffee for 15 minutes? I'm like, yeah, no, like, I, like, I don't want to do that. I don't know who you are. But mm-hmm. if somebody's like, Hey, I've got a podcast, uh, you know, we're, we're putting it out every single week. It's a piece of content that can like theoretically live forever. And I'm not right. just like, I'm not just chatting like a one-on-one. It's like, Hey, like now a hundred people are going to hear this or something like that. Uh, it becomes a lot more valuable and it becomes a lot more interesting. And like, from my standpoint, I was like, cool, I can use that as a platform, start chatting with really interesting people that like, otherwise maybe wouldn't want to go and talk to me. Right. Um, and, and so my thought was like, I'm going to do this. And what we're going to do is every single week, I'm just going to put out an episode interviewing someone who is in their twenties and doing really cool shit. Um, because from my standpoint, like every podcast out there, like I listen to just a bunch of entrepreneurship and business podcasts and they're all really interesting, but they're really unrelatable because there's always people in their thirties and their forties who are like, you know, wife, kids, family, you know, like two houses. Exactly. And to see that in real time by the people who are doing it just can be so much more beneficial. And you, and you feel like they're your peers too. A hundred percent. And I think that's the thing that motivates me the most. It's like, I see someone with like a hundred million dollar company and they're like 40 years old. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, they're 40. Like, like I make an excuse in my head. Right. Like, that's, right. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's why that's I don't have that. Way away. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then, I, and then like a month ago, I interviewed some kid who's like 26 and running a $65 million software business. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That'll make like, you wonder like, what the hell you're doing with your life. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what am I doing with these tiny house blogs over here? Like I've, I've got to <laughs> yeah. start stepping it up. Right. Um, so yeah, it kind of, it kind of just like puts things into perspective and like, like at the very least networking, but more, more for me is like kind of a motivational standpoint of like, it's really cool seeing people like my age do big things. Um, and I just know that like those connections and the content is just going to get better and better over time. Cause like my thought is that if you're doing cool shit when you're young, you'll be doing really cool stuff when you're older too. And so like kind of forming those connections early is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely seems, I mean, and that obviously help with your, your social media brand. I mean, I think it's really cool. The, the kind of content that you put out on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, I think I, I like the way you think based off of that. I was like, Oh, that's, yeah, that's some really like, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Um, but yeah. So are you just trying to grow your overall, like, are you seeing that as like a personal branding kind of opportunity? Yeah, I, I think it's been pretty awesome. Like, uh, I think going into this year, I had like a thousand followers on Twitter and now I'm like, like not big by any means, but like 6,000 or so. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, the only thing that I would say that it's really done is you just get a ton of opportunities that come to you versus you kind of having to go and chase them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually been like a really interesting thing I've noticed. Like, you know, today I, I reached out to some guy uh, who does real estate down in Texas and he's got like over $500 million in assets under management. Right. And I got a response from him solely because of Twitter. Right. And I'm like, in, in a normal world, that shouldn't happen. Uh, but because like, you know, maybe he's seen one of my tweets or something like that, or like, because we are somewhat connected on this social media platform, mm-hmm. it's, it's now enable that to happen. And I think the bigger thing is too, is like, find like, like, for example, uh, I'm trying to like grow a blog, not, not my personal blog, like the tiny house stuff and a few other things I'm working on. And I just tweeted out, like, rather than Googling, like how to grow a blog, I said, Hey, who here has a blog that gets over a million hits a year? And I got like three responses from a guy who, uh, you know, has a golden retriever blog from a guy who does like a home decor blog. And then from one other guy. And I was like, 
cool now we have to talk to all of you guys solely just because i sent out this tweet like mm -hmm. rather than having to go and like watch a million youtube videos you guys give me the crash course like immediately even though i didn't know you uh and i think there's a lot of power in that in terms of like just being able to kind of get, get quick responses from uh interesting people yeah i was gonna say like you know six thousand followers might not sound like a lot when you think of like influencers in the space or something but it seems like you get really good engagement from them and that it's like le totally, yeah. legitimate um people like you're in that kind of entrepreneurial e-commerce circle of people i noticed we follow a lot of the uh, a few of the same uh people in that space because i just think you know uh what some of those guys are doing is, is really cool and and it just seems like you have a similar approach in terms of putting your ideas out there or some of the connections you're making or like ideas you don't plan on pursuing but just like these are my thoughts on on trends i'm Total seeing totally yeah I, I feel like at least like trying to give people like kind of what you said like had a glimpse into my brain in terms of like how i think uh is pretty powerful and i feel like the thing that i've noticed after kind of because i've been doing it now for like six months like pretty consistently like i'll, I'll probably tweet like once a day at least mm -hmm. um and the thing i've noticed is like i'm getting engagement on tweets that i sent like you know five six months ago oh, no uh, like it, it it can still be repurposed like somehow some way it shows up into somebody's timeline and now they're going and engaging it and reaching out to me as a result of it and so the thing that i like about it is like if you think about leverage and like how you can kind of go and get more done in less time like twitter's freaking awesome because you send a tweet takes you 30 seconds to write it up or whatever and now it's something that's impacting literally thousands of people for months to come i, I think right. like that's a that's such a cool opportunity for individuals to grow their brand grow their businesses whatever they want to do yeah absolutely i guess ultimately what's your goal with social media and your personal blog are you really working on your personal blog right now or are you just focusing on the other ones I, I don't spend much time on the blog. I think what I did there is I kind of just like threw together like some goals I want to hit this year. And, and just because mm -hmm. I think people really like seeing that kind of stuff. I did. I um, thought that was cool that you're just putting that out in public. Same thing of just like telling people about what you're trying to do, just so that it yeah. makes you want to hold yourself accountable. So you're like kind of a man of your word with that. It's it's the accountability piece. Um, it's also like just like kind of like the whole law of attraction, right? You put it out there and see, see what happens. And like, like as an example, like I spent this year, I'm like, hey, like I want to kind of like work on a couple of different hobbies, hobbies, right? And so I worked on a few that honestly, I got to pick it up on some of them, but like two that I've actually been doing like uh, pre a pretty decent amount this year is chess and boxing. Uh, mm -hmm. And so like with boxing, like my brother and I like basically just got like some some gloves and some pads and I've just been like, basically like beating the shit out of each other for, for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Uh, but for the, for the chess one, it's really cool because I put that out there and now I have a few people who want to play, but also like some guy DM'd me on Twitter. He's like, hey, so are you trying to get better at chess? I'm actually a chess coach. If you want to jump on a 30 minute call and I'll like evaluate your game. And I was like, um, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like I and, didn't have to go out and find you. Like, and you he just roasted you for 30 minutes. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I got destroyed and like, it, it wasn't, wasn't even fun, but he, uh -huh. he showed me kind of some flaws or whatever. Um, but I don't, I don't like really post a lot of blogs. I just, from a time standpoint, like does it's not worth it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I have been sending out a few like newsletters, which are kind of just like longer form content in terms of, um, like like you know tweets 280 characters newsletter i can make it however long i want so like as an example i quit my job uh like three months ago or so and i've sent out tweets like hey quit my job of the team doing new things right that was like the tweet yeah. uh but then underneath i was like by the way like i go into every reason why i quit my job in this newsletter and there like i poured out my heart and soul as like what i what i want to be doing instead so um it's definitely like a better better platform for long-form content
Yeah, yeah, and we can we can jump into that when we get into uh, your time at Privy, and then ultimately deciding to leave too. But um, sure. I definitely want to make sure uh, we get into Cardly. Like, so tell me about your your college experience. Like, what did you think you wanted to do uh, coming out of college, and then how you and Geo came up with Cardly, and ultimately what happened with that. Hundred percent. So I went into college like, knowing I wanted to do entrepreneurship. That was like a very like set in stone thing for me. Like, uh, it's weird because like I went to school at Northeastern and like the first semester uh, I studied abroad. They have, they've had this weird program where like, yeah, one in four, one in five kids or whatever like that like goes abroad the first semester and mm -hmm. comes back. So like I went over there and I was like, hmm, like how do I like I wouldn't hear for entrepreneurship. Like how do I get involved in that? But I kind of like put that to the side for a few months just to like you know be a be a freshman over in London for right. know, a couple months, whatever. Do that whole thing. Um, but as soon as I came back immediately, like going to the entrepreneurs club, going to the accelerator we got on campus, um, finding like a bunch of people who are into that kind of stuff. And, and why just was it, chatting. Or, sorry, yeah. but why was it you wanted to be an entrepreneur right off the bat? Like, where did you find that inspiration or why did you think that was the lane you wanted to take? Honestly, what it probably is, is like my dad runs his own business. Like mm -hmm. for, for probably like the driving reason is like you grow up and you're with all your friends and that kind of stuff. And like, you very much can see like, oh, cool. Like so-and-so's parents, whatever, get off like two weeks a year. And like, this is like their, their life or whatever. And like, then you see my dad and it's like, like, Hey, if he wants to take off on Friday, he can just take off a Friday if he wants. Right. Like, and don't, don't get it confused. Right. Cause he's definitely still putting in like 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. Like whether he's in the office or not, like he's constantly working with like, you know, you kind of bear that stress with it and you're, you're always thinking about it. But it's mm -hmm. it's nice kind of seeing the different kind of lifestyle where it's like, oh, if we want to go and do this, we can do that. Oh, if you want to go and like make some money, like we'll just give you a job right over the mm -hmm. summer. So uh, I think that's been really instilled in me, like since the early days when I was like either working in their warehouse or like, you know, on the sales floor and stuff like that, trying to go and sell products. So uh, it's kind of always just been like a passion of mine. That freedom um, of running your own schedule. Yeah, I think it's the freedom of the schedule and like freedom of time, right? And I think it's also like the financial freedom of like, is it really hard to start a business? Yes. Can you get unlimited upside from starting a business? Yes. Which I which I kind of like that the most, right? It's like, uh -huh. you know, they manufacture candles and stuff like that. And it's like, hey, you can make like 100K a year doing this or like you can like literally own the business and, and you can kind of get a lot more out of that, right? right. Um, so that's always been like super attractive to me. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, going into school, I knew that right away, like, Hey, this is what I want to do. Uh, so freshman year, like spring semester, I was like finding a bunch of people and I was like, Hey, like, do you want to start a business? Do you want to start a business? Like not, not like in an overly pushy way, but more like, this is what I'm here to <laughs> I'm do. Picturing like, was, you first day on campus, like get your dorm room. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's like, Oh, Hey, like I'm Nick, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. So he's like, Oh, Hey Nick, you want to, you want to start a business together? <laughs> together? But, uh, no, it was, it was more subtle than that. It was, it wasn't like, it wasn't necessarily like I'm going around like knocking on doors, trying to find people, but mm -hmm. more like as I'm going to some of these clubs or like I'm in an entrepreneurship class, like just like starting conversations, like kind of like what you just exactly asked me, like, Hey, like, what are you trying to do after school, whatever. And like, if there's like, Oh, you know, like probably start a business or something like that, then I'm kind of like just go into the whole, whole flow of like, Oh, cool. Maybe this would work out. Right. Uh, and, and my buddy Gio, like we we had a class together, freshman year in international business. And we just kind of sat next to each other and, you know, like, it was cool. Cause like, like a little bit of like an intellectual sparring partner where I can just like bounce ideas off each other. It's like, Oh, like Apple did this today. What do you think about that? Or like, you know, we have a class project together and like, you just kind of like see the way he thinks and the way he works. Mm -hmm. Um, and so eventually we just kind of like got to talk and we're like, Hey, like you want to like, I also knew that he was like a hustler, which I, which I respect. Cause 
like there was one time we were in a group project together and they literally had to leave and they came back 30 minutes later i was like oh what's up are you like you know doing something he's like oh yeah i do this whole like gift card arbitrage thing uh where basically like you know i'll buy like a 300 best buy gift card from someone for like 100 bucks and then like sell it to someone else for like 200 i was like okay i love that i was like yeah. i was like, I love the love the hustle right you made 100 bucks but it took right. you like 20 minutes and so uh, i was like let's do something together um uh, and so the whole thesis for this kind of came like freshman year you're on campus and, and you know this too right it's like you're walking around student fairs or whatever like that and they're giving out anything they can just to, like you know get their name on on something that you own right so whether it's like hey here's this water bottle here's this pen we noticed that a lot of people were giving out like these cell phone pockets um mm -hmm. and like you know classic they would have like a local real estate company or like uber lyft logos or like a club logo on it or something like that uh and this is pretty important because like you get a student id and so like for the first time really like you're carrying around cards cash student ids like all the time mm -hmm. and so what we started noticing we we're just like hey like these girls out here they're buying like 40 50 phone cases and like they spend a lot of money because they, they want it to look really good and they want a nice design but then they're just like slapping this cheap product on the back like what if we made it look nicer um yeah. that was like the very simple thought process and so uh we did that uh went over to or we didn't even go to china at this point we just kind of found some suppliers online bought like two thousand of them um and like a couple different SKUs and varieties and they showed up like six huge boxes to like our college dorm rooms and we're just mm -hmm. like cool what are we now? <laughs> where yeah where the hell do we put these too yeah exactly you know, so I, I think geo's roommate was a little bit more pissed off about him than mine were but uh <laughs> it, it worked out in the end and, and so uh really like that first year we're like we're just trying to figure out like what are we going to do to sell these things right and so it was like mm -hmm. hey let's go to like you know friends and sell them right and we have two thousand of these things like like knew a lot of people on campus was not friends with 2000 people uh and so like after you know we have like 1900 and like 45 left we're like cool uh what do we do with the rest of these and so uh then we tried to do events right like we went to like the boston marathon i think we sold like one and mm -hmm. so i was like all right like we're, we're kind of starting to hit a dead end here like what if what if we started trying to sell these things online um yeah. and then like we, we went through the whole rabbit hole of like should we start a store should we start an etsy store should we sell on amazon like did all that kind of stuff um and eventually we realized like amazon was definitely the best path to take mm -hmm. uh just had instant traffic there. We knew the keywords to rank for. Uh, and so that first year, I think we did like 30K in sales. And so we're like, all right, cool. Like, like this is yeah. this is decent. Like, yeah, like, like we're starting to like, like in like 30K like for like a college freshman, you're like, holy shit, like this is awesome. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. A long way from selling one at the Boston Marathon. You know? Oh, 100%. Those yeah. moments can yeah. be like, was this a bad idea when you have something oh, like that? It was, especially because freshman year like boston marathon day or if, if you're not from boston it's like it's patriots day it's when it always happens and so it's a huge drinking day and so like mm -hmm. we had like all these like day drinks and stuff like that, that we could have gone to and we're like hey like we'll swim by that afterwards like let's just try to go to like you know the the marathon first and, like just try to sell a couple of these early on and mm -hmm. we went and we just stood there for two hours and no one bought and we we're like all right you know what let's throw these back in your dorm room. let's go to that party like yeah we're, we're, we're pretty defeated by that point we're like just drink it off that's uh, always tough <laughs> it's funny i was just having the same conversation uh me and my buddy howie we started a beach apparel company so we're in like a year and a half of doing that now but we had a pop-up shop over memorial day weekend you're like awesome it's gonna be flooded down there so many people yeah. memorial day weekend was a terrible weekend because it rained the whole time so by monday rolled around when we had our pop-up shop there was just no foot traffic going by uh, and he looks true. at me and he goes well, I guess we're an e-commerce business. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you have those those ups and downs with it where it's like, you know, maybe you'll get a big batch sale or something, but then you'll do something in person and it's just like, it's not hitting and you're questioning if it was a good idea at all, you know? 
Yeah, hundred percent. No, and, and, and honestly, like from an from an e-commerce standpoint, I love the scalability. Right? Like, would you mm-hmm. rather go and stand outside and like the heat, or like, or the rain in, in this case from on Memorial Day weekend, or like you know watch Netflix on your couch while like, while you're selling stuff? Right. So, right. Um, totally, totally different trade-offs. But I think the e-commerce one just provides a little bit more like scalability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so basically, we started realizing Amazon works the 30k that first year. We're like, cool, let's do more of this. Uh, so we scaled it out a little bit more focused on some of the product listings, got a supply chain a little bit tighter. And that second year, I think it was like about 150 in sales. So sort of doing a lot more, uh, growing it a little bit more and trying to like really just take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And then we we looked at each other and we're like, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but like Northeastern has this whole co-op process. Uh, so it's essentially like a glorified internship. Um, you take six months, you don't have to go to classes. You work for a company. They pay you. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like it's actually like very helpful. And I've got a lot of connections that way. Yeah. Um, but usually it's always you're working for a company, not necessarily like working for your own company. And so we got to chatting. We're like, hey, like I bet you if we went because like, we're spending like four or five hours a week doing this, like we're really not spending a lot of time and it's making like 150K a year. So we're like, right. hey, like I bet you if we like just go really hard on this, like we could probably make a lot of money. Uh, and we're like, yeah. Probably, like probably more than like the 20, 30K you make at a co-op over six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we get to chat and we talk to our advisor and we're like, hey, we want to do this. Here's what, here's like the results so far. We think it's cool. Like, obviously, we'll brand it Northeastern. Like, like if like we're, they're one of the top entrepreneurship schools. And so we're like, think about this, guys. Like, we're, if we do this, like, this is great for the school. Right. Uh, and the advisor was so like pushy on it. They were just like, I don't know. Like, are you guys really going to even be working? Really? You guys have those numbers to show. To sh- yeah. He's like, he wonder if you guys are even going to be working. You're like, we have been this whole time. That's yeah, crazy. I, that is I, wild. I was very frustrated with it. So I was just like, like, and like they, they eventually were starting to like let us go a little bit more, but like, they were like, fill out this, all this paperwork and they were taking mm-hmm. really slow to respond. And then they were like giving us, you know, crap for, uh, for certain items in the paperwork. So I eventually was just like, all right, Gio, like, let's stop filling out this paperwork for a second. Like, here's the deal. I'm going to go, like, I'm going to email a reporter and I just emailed this reporter called like, uh, like the boss, it wasn't the Boston Globe. It was, um, like Boston. No, it's like a Boston entrepreneurship, uh, magazine publication. Mm-hmm. And I emailed them. And I was like, uh, you know, subject line, like selling like a hundred thousand products or six figures in revenue or something like that. And I was like, Hey, like, here's the whole story. Like college kids, uh, doing this thing, like we're trying to grow it. And so the reporter's like, Oh, it sounds like it could be a cool story, like good headline or whatever like that. Um, and that's, that's actually a, a random tip. If you're ever trying to get PR and the subject line, always put what you think the headline should be. And so mm-hmm. I think it was like, you know, two 21 year old kids selling a hundred thousand dollars of sales from like, from their dorm room or something like yeah. that. And so she was like, cool, this will be a good article. That's great. Um, and so I jump on the phone with her and she's like, you know, we did the whole article, did the piece. And at the end, she's like, what's next? I was like, oh, it's also like Northeastern actually let us go on a co-op full time for ourselves uh, for like the next six months. And she's like, oh, cool. Like, that's really, that's great. Uh, and so once the article aired, I just sent it to the advisor. I was like, guys, like enough of this. Like, like oh, the <laughs> whole city. The, that's such the whole a power city, move, dude. <laughs> I, I was like, the whole, the whole city thinks that we're going on to work for ourselves right now. Like what's, what's up with the, what's up with like all the hoops and whistles that you guys are making us jump through. Um, and then you and they gave just, them like, no choice. I know. And they, they just CC'd like some other person like, all right, you've been approved. Like, uh, you know, here's your advisor. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, perfect. Like next step. Um, and, and what was Gio's reaction to you pulling that move? He loved it. Gio Gio loves that kind of stuff too. So he was totally cool with it. That was great. Um, And and so from 
the school's perspective, like we definitely hustled, right? Like, like I will say, like we kind of messed it up from a timing standpoint because we started in the beginning of January and Chinese New Year hits in February. So like you're kind of this weird limbo state where you're like, can I get new products? And like sometimes things take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But we went from doing 150,000 a year to doing 850,000 that third year. And so like we we just completely wow. like you know five x sales again. Uh, and and totally took it to the next level. And like, it was cool because one of the things we learned on that co-op was like with e-commerce, the benefit of e-commerce is that you don't have to be there all the time. And mm-hmm. so we got our supply chain really tight in that third and fourth month. And so we, it was a six month co-op. And so we're like, okay, cool. Like, like we don't have to be in Boston. Like we got a little like office space in Boston. We're like, we don't have to be here. So we we went to Bali for a month and we're like, Damn. we're going to go what, you, shop here. That's wild. So did you have, uh, did you have other employees doing that then? At the time, like running out of the office while you guys are in Bali, or you had it all shipped to Bali, like. No, it, I mean, from the product standpoint, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, how were you getting the products to people if you guys were going to Bali for a month? So we were. We would literally. We ne- we never touched any of our own products. Uh, okay. Amazon uh, picks, packs, and ships every single product. And mm-hmm. so all we had to go and do was just change the supply chain to go directly from China straight to Amazon. Damn. Um, yeah. And, and make sure make sure it can clear customs and all that kind of stuff. So once we once we figure that out, then we're like, so we, we just need to work where there's internet now. And there's internet over in Bali. And so we went over there for like four or five weeks uh, and like met some really cool, like badass e-commerce people mm-hmm. uh, who were doing way more in sales than we were. Uh, so we learned a lot when we were over there too. But like, it was a great schedule. Like we'd wake up, surf, go to the office for like five or six hours, you know, eat like a little acai bowl for like $3. Uh, and like, it was a, it was a great time. Um, and then eventually, you know, we came back to reality, finished up that year. And then the, the following year, like we kind of went back to our old schedule of like working on the business, like four or five hours a week and did like 1.2 million in sales. We're talking about like what we wanted to go and do after school. And we're like, mm-hmm. Hey, like, I don't know if we want to like, like we can maybe spend more time on this brand, but like, I don't know if we want to keep selling on Amazon or, or what we want to do. And like, whenever you work on something for four years, you're kind of just like, Hey, like maybe we should do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we listed it for sale, got a couple of people kicking tires. And then eventually uh, got someone who came in, like uh, offered us a cash deal. And, you know, we closed three, four weeks later. And then the deal, the deal was signed January 1st. We got the money February 15th and COVID hit like March 15th or March wow or whatever. talk about so timing like, yeah i know and like for for amazon like they cut it down to only essential items like we felt so lucky wow. so yeah it was pretty mm-hmm. awesome that is tough yeah where do, where do you even list that to to sell it or same thing do you throw in that like entrepreneur facebook yeah. group no there's there's a bunch of online marketplaces um mm-hmm. empire flipper quiet light brokerage flipper.com micro acquire um mm-hmm. fe international bunch bunch that come to head okay yeah yeah i mean what was your reaction as you're starting to get more and more sales you're going from like 30 to 60 150 to like over a million like was there ever a time where you took a step back and we're just like holy shit like how am i pulling this off while i'm in college right now um i don't know i feel i feel like from an expectation standpoint Mm-hmm. Like it, it really never processed, which sounds kind of weird to say, but like I, I will say that the biggest the biggest jumping points were probably um the biggest jumping points were probably when we went from zero to like 10 sales a day because mm-hmm. we were just like, holy shit, like we don't even know these people and they're buying our stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, which which and like like you know, you'd wake up and you'd see like $30 in the balance, and you're like, like I was sleeping and we made money. Like that was that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um and then I'd say the next biggest tipping point was probably 
like consistently breaking a hundred thousand dollars a month. Um, okay. just cause once we started doing that, it was like, Oh shit. Like this is actually like has scale. Like, and it got to the point where like my parents had like no idea how much we were doing or whatever. And like, be- like a few months before starting the business, I was like driving in the car with my dad and he was just like, Oh, like, so has a little thing you're going. I was like, Oh good. Like, I think we sold like, you know, $90,000 last month. He's like, he like stops the car. He's like, what the, what the, what the, <laughs> like, he was like, he was like, he was like, wait a minute. And so I think that was actually my favorite part about the business is that like, we're selling these little accessory things and mm-hmm. like all of our college roommates, like, didn't like nobody really understood the scale that we were at until we ended up selling the business and telling people. Um, yeah. But it was like, they were all like, Oh yeah. Gio and God are like working on this little thing. And in our back of our minds were like, yeah, like it's, it's starting to get kind of big. Like it's, it's not huge, but like, it's definitely, <laughs> we're definitely doing <laughs> yeah, more than like, they're like we're doing okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, but no, it's, it was cool. And I feel like, you know, our, from our standpoint, we're always just like, how big can we get this thing? I think part of the reason we sold was because, I thought it was a cool business. I didn't know if we could confidently get it to 10 million a year. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so like, from my standpoint, it's like, Hey, we can spend the next two to three years trying, uh, or we can sell and find a space that is much more scalable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So just take whatever money, reinvest that in a couple other projects that you think would, would have that scalability to it. Yeah, exactly. Like from our standpoint, I think maybe if if we were selling off of Amazon and we had more control over the customer experience, I, I would probably consider it more. But like, like definitely would keep me up at night knowing that Amazon, like if they wanted to say we broke a little rule, they could turn our business off overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always kind of stretched me out a little bit. And so I think now going forward, we want to try to find something that we can control more of that customer relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, so then you guys sell off, um, you know, COVID hits. And then what are you thinking as you're, did you graduate at that point you sold it off or? So we graduated, sorry. So we sold it or the, the deal closed January 1st. Mm-hmm. And then we graduated, uh, well, yeah, I guess June, we didn't, we, June? We, 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 uh, like early May, but like May, we didn't right. walk or anything like that. Right. Right. Like, that weird. Yeah. yeah I, rem- I remember that. And I was just like, oh man, I feel, yeah. Kind of feel bad for college. Although you kind of just show up there hungover at graduation and it's was, like, you yeah. just get the favor. So it's not like but it's some crazy thing. You know? I, I will, I will say it's like, like COVID hit at the exact time that all the fun stuff started happening because because northeastern finishes up like end of april really and mm-hmm. so like covid kind of shut everything down like, i think like march 15th or whatever and so from my standpoint like you know this last 45 days of college where it's like senior week cruises like fenway you know i mean you're gonna go to school in boston but like mm-hmm. you go like fenway whatever like that for like senior night and so like right. all the fun stuff is, is happening and like I'm not trying to have a pity party by any means. Like people had it way worse than me, like a thousand times worse. Uh, but yeah, we were kind of just like in this limbo phase where we're like, okay, like, you know, I guess we're going home for a couple months now. Yeah. I guess you're looking around at jobs and why did you choose Privy? Yeah. So I think like one big thing for me that I was like, like, I think this is kind of uh, captured in the tiny house story in a way where like, I just get bored very easily. Uh, and I felt like at the time, like the tiny house thing was still very new. Respoke was like a month old at this point. So it was still very, very new. Uh, and I just didn't have anything that like I, I could really spend all of my time doing that was going to make me a lot of money like today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know, I, you know, two of my managers that I worked back for back when I was doing a co-op at this place called Drift, um, they were now at this new company called Privy and they were running marketing there. And I was like, okay, like, what should I do with my time right now? Like, should I go and like work on a business full time or should I go and work for these guys? Cause I know if I hit them up, like they'll give me a job and they're like really good at what they do. Like they're like they're the top people I know when it comes to marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started talking to them and I was just like, 
hey like Kent like are you guys even hiring they're like, oh like like yeah like we'll, we'll bring you on like we'll, we'll make a role for you and so I'm thinking about it more and more and I'm like okay you know what here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go I'm gonna work for this company I made this very clear in the interview too I was like hey dude here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna bust my ass for you guys I'm gonna work really hard but in exchange I want to let you know right now I'm only gonna be at this company for a year I'm not gonna be here for more than a year and while I'm here I want you to teach me everything that you know about copywriting marketing creating hooks better offers all that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. sound like a plan uh and he was like yeah that's like that's perfect um so we signed everything and i started like july 8th um and i love privy specifically because i i'm always a huge believer that like when you're getting a job never never go for the company always go for the person so like very specifically like i was not in my head i was not getting a job at privy i was getting a job at uh working for dave and dan uh was essentially it um, and then the other thing that I really enjoyed too was it was in the e-commerce space, which I wanted to get really good at and learn a lot about. And like the best part about this that that job is that I got really good at the copywriting, got really good at the marketing that I was doing. Uh, but more importantly too, like I learned a ton about e-commerce when I was there. Yeah, I mean, I, isn't that like the most downloaded app in Shopify? Privy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is awesome because then from my standpoint, it's like, hey, I get to see all the guys that you're working with and see how they're making money too. And I get to go and interview all of them and talk to them. It's just like for me, it was a dream. First three months, awesome. Anytime you get a new job, steep learning curve. You learn a ton. I'm getting feedback every day, and I love it. Like it's great. And then after that, like like and and again, a caveat on all of this: love Privy, love the job, love the, like love the CEO. They actually just sold the company. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone at the company is awesome. And if anyone is looking for a job, I would always recommend that they go there. I just didn't want a job. Is what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Um, but so to kind of like get back into the story, like. I would say after those first three months, I was like, oh, cool. I'm kind of just like doing the same thing every day, like new projects here or there, but like, you know, more or less the same. Uh, and I just started spending more and more of my own time, like, you know, working on some of my side projects, trying to grow a Respo collection, trying to go like that tiny ass blog, like a few other things yeah. that I'm just kind of working on here and there. Um, and, you know, I'm traveling at the time, like they were actually really chill. Like they were like, hey, we're never going back in the office. So like, you know, I spent a couple of weeks down in Mexico, spent a couple of weeks down in the DR, spent a couple of weeks skiing and Breck and stuff like that. Like they were, they were really cool about that. Um, but I started just getting to the point where I'm like, Hey, like I write, I write down, you know, goals I want to hit like every day, pretty much. I'm like, Hey, like you're like the three big goals that I want to go and hit. And like, here's the things that I'm going to do today, uh, for like a work standpoint, here's what I have to do today. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where like days were going by, like weeks were going by where like my daily actions were just not getting me anywhere closer to where I wanted to be to go and hit some of those goals. Yeah. And I was just like, eventually I was like, okay, like, what, what do I want to be? Like, who, like, who do I want to be when I grow up? Like that, like age old question, right? Like, like, where am I heading? Uh, and I think the easiest way to do that, cause like, I think most people are really bad at answering that questions, but I think most people are really good at knowing who they admire know who they, they look up to. And, you know, when I think about that kind of stuff, I'm like, okay, cool. I love entrepreneurs love people who are like, you know, pretty healthy and shape fit, like, like kind of in that standpoint. And I love like content creators, like, like exactly this kind of stuff. Half of why I started a podcast was because I want to create more content, same mm-hmm. with Twitter, all that kind of stuff. But it's mostly like, you know, people who take care of themselves, put out a ton of cool content to help people, and then also run really successful businesses. And I was like, cool, what am I accomplishing? Like, am I accomplishing any of that by being at Privy today? And um, the answer is like, in- inevitably, no, right? It's like Privy was making me an awesome marketer. But I wanted to be an awesome entrepreneur. I want to be an awesome business owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna have to leave here. Not because they're not doing a good job at like, you know, training me and like teaching me a bunch of stuff, but because I don't want to be a marketer. Like it's just kind of what it came down to. Right. Um, and so I had an honest conversation, I talked to my managers. I was just like, hey guys, like you guys are awesome. I 
only feel comfortable having this conversation because I know for a fact that I'm not going to another company. So you don't have to worry about that. Like, it's not like it was like the company's bad or you guys are bad. Like, I can't emphasize this enough. Like if I had to have a job, this is the one, but I just don't want a job right now. And they were like, dude, like we knew this when we hired you, like, it's cool. Like, like go do your thing. And like, uh, yeah. they were super supportive about it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the, the nine months behind being at Privy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, just one of my friends I had interviewed, uh, last week, he was telling his boss that he left to go move out to Colorado and his boss was like, honestly, I was surprised you didn't do this sooner. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, man- managers know that kind of stuff. And like, even like in my, like, I've always been kind of honest, like we, I think I had like a, a six month performance review or whatever like that. And he's just like, you know, we're filling all this stuff. Out. I was like, Hey, how am I doing? He's like, Oh dude, you're killing it. I was like, uh, he was like, Hey, like, what can I, what can I help you to like, you know, be a better product marketer? I was like, ah, oh, Dan, you know me, dude. Like, I don't, I don't really want to be a marketer. I want to like run my own business. He's like, Oh yeah, I know. But like, just, you know, just go through the questions or whatever. And I, <laughs> He's I, I, like, I was damn. Like, <laughs> it, it, I was just like, I was like, ah, oh, cool. Like, all right, as long as we're on the same page and like, we're, we're upfront about that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. You could keep an open dialogue like that and just make, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he was counting one of those meetings for you just to be like, actually, I'm thinking I might want to be a marketer at this point. But. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So what's next for Connor Gross? Um, honestly, I'm doing a ton of stuff that I really love right now. Uh, like I would say the majority of my time I want to spend just like starting or buying new businesses and just trying to grow them. Um, like that to me is like the most fun thing in the world to do. Uh, mm-hmm. and I totally nerd out about that kind of stuff. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, you just rattled off like six sites to buy businesses on. So you can tell you've been scrolling uh, through this. Oh, every day, every day. Um, yeah, we have like reviews on Wednesdays for businesses that we want to buy, but, um, no, the, the things that I love is like, I think, I think respoke, respoke is going to be really big. Um, I'm like making a big bet there. And I think like give it a couple of years and like, that'll be a really cool brand for like the garage and like automotive and, and even like maybe even boat space too, depending mm-hmm. on where we take that boat brand. Um, so I think that's going to be really fun. Um, and then I'm, I'm constantly working on like, I don't think that like, I don't think the tiny house thing is necessarily going to be huge, uh, but it's just a fun little like passive project just to like, you know, keep myself entertained and kind of learn more about SEO and how that stuff works. Right. Um, the, the big things for me that I think are going to be kind of new over the next couple of years is I really haven't done much with real estate. Um, and I basically have this vision of myself where like, like if I could say like, Hey, I want to do three things. It's like, Hey, the first thing I want to do is like, I want to like start successful e-commerce businesses. Like I have a ton of fun doing that. They're high cash flowing and like they're really cool and like that's kind of like the creative outlet. And then I want to take a bunch of the money from there and I want to kind of funnel it into real estate, whether that's multifamily or self storage and things like that uh, mm-hmm. over the next couple of years as well. Uh, and then the last thing I want to do is I want to talk about it all in a podcast. Uh, so like whether or on Twitter, right? So it's like a next generation. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, like I constantly just like share my ideas and like what I'm working on and that kind of stuff. So it's like just honestly trying to set up a life where it's like I'm just doing all of the stuff I really do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that with like, you know, traveling, working out, trying to learn new hobbies, things like that. Like that to me is like the perfect life. Yeah. It's really cool seeing how transparent you are and just, uh, and, and it'll be really cool. And I'm sure for not just you, but for people who enjoy following you to be able to look back as you continue to have the success you're having, be able to just be like, Oh shit. Like he said he was going to do that. And this blog post, like now he's got, and now he did, actually did achieve that. Um, I, yeah, it, yeah, it's just really cool it's a really cool idea doing that stuff. And I was going to say just one more thing on that too. Like, I feel like people 
maybe I'm maybe I'm making this up and I'm just speaking for myself because I know that like two like a year or two ago I didn't post much of anything ever um and I always kind of had this all in my mind I was like oh like I don't want to be judged by other people who like think this is a little weird or like oh like this is kind of a taboo topic to even talk about like the idea of like uh you know sharing all of like what your financial goals are and things like that out Mm -hmm. in public like it's very weird but then I thought of two things I thought of like one I cannot tell you the last time I've, I can really remember someone else's content, right? Unless it was like right. a super cringeworthy thing. Like, I promise you that people f- are focused way more on themselves than they are about you. And mm-hmm. so if you do want to go and like, you know, start sharing stuff, just go out and just start doing it. I think that's really impactful. Um, and the second thing that I was going to say is I really want to start putting out more content that even if it doesn't already exist out in the world is the kind of content that i would read and so like for example like, right. i love reading like what other people's goals are because i'm like oh like that's actually a really cool goal like i, I kind of want to use that or like hey like here's like what i do on a daily basis or like, here like my habits like i love reading about that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. so my thought is like if i love reading about it i'm sure other people do as well and if nobody's putting out the content like i'll just be the first like people people constantly look to a source of inspiration to do what they do and like maybe you can just be that source of inspiration because like a lot of people might not be putting out their stuff because they don't see other people doing it right yeah and and one thing i i had a concern with is um with putting out things like that like sometimes for the podcast i'll do posts on quotes that people said and advice. And I'm like, man, sometimes, you know, because I'm so involved in that space and follow so many people in that space, I must feel like I'm regurgitating information to that. And I try to find like different insight that isn't, but also it's like, well, there's plenty of people who are younger, who are just, you know, kind of like who are audiences that we're targeting with our podcast who are just getting into that space and looking for that kind of insight and want it from someone who's just a few years older than them um, as opposed to some of the people that we follow who are more in their 30s or 40s or 50s you know Um, totally dude like like, literally on this episode i know like this is a cliche saying that i already said it but it's like the whole your network is your net worth thing like just kind of talking about how like hey a lot of times people buy from people they know they do deals with people they know things like that like I guarantee you probably 98% of the people who are listening to this right now have heard that saying before, but I also guarantee you there's probably one or two people out there who are like, are going to listen to that and be like, Oh no, that was the first time I ever heard that quote. I'm going to start right. investing more time into like cold emails and reaching out to people that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so like, sure. Is it not helpful for most people? Maybe, but like for those one or two people, it can be totally life-changing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was having that conversation with Ryan Lang too, where he was saying, you know, like Gary Vee is always constantly saying the same thing over and over just so people get the point. Cause he's always trying to reach new people too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you eventually get it, then you go off, you don't have to listen to him anymore. Cause he kind of got the point sure. and you're going to do your own thing. Right. A hundred percent. So you've yeah, kind of Gary Vee is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He, he's a lot too, but he's he's got some good points for sure. Hundred um, percent. What have you learned from? What are a couple of things you've learned from doing your podcast so far? In terms of, I guess in terms of just, from your guests, yeah. Oh God. Okay. All right. So a couple of things. Um, one. Uh, like, like my podcast focuses on like people who are in their twenties, who are just like crushing, but I, I want to say life, but mostly business. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. cause they're the very, they are two different things. Um, 
what the thing that's shocked me the most is that we're like 25 episodes in and I feel like every guest has dropped out of college, um, which, sounds, <laughs> which seems crazy. I, but I, I swear to God, if I go through this right now, there's probably over 50% of them have dropped out of college. I was going to say, yeah, I guess you'll get that in that entrepreneurial space. You know, if you're constantly yeah. interviewing them, they're all going to hit that point where it's like, you know, maybe you and Gio could have too, or you kind of have that conversation. Like, I, I'd be lying if I said we didn't have the conversation, but mm-hmm. never, never pulled the trigger on it. Right. Um, but like the biggest thing, so, so that then kind of like led me down this whole spiral of a, a thought of just like the best people, the people who are like really running stuff today are not educated in a, a really formal sense. Right. But they're really good at teaching themselves things. And I think like most people, 99% of people are really bad at that. Mm-hmm. I think 99% of people, if you want to learn how to use Excel, you have to go and like sign up for a night school or something like that, or like go to a job and have your employer teach you how to use Excel. Uh, when in reality, we live in a time right now where like everything's out there. They're like, mm-hmm. like there is no shortage of information, period. The only shortage is of curation and of your ability to actually go and find that information and to know what you're looking for. And so I think most people that I interview are really freaking good at teaching themselves things, which makes them a ton of money, right? They've taught themselves e-commerce, they've taught themselves sales, software, leadership, hiring, managing, like all that kind of stuff because they just had to. Um, mm. So that's probably been the first thing. Um, second thing, we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but like growing podcasts are hard. Uh, I think I've gotten like a little lucky with like two viral tweets that has helped. But mm-hmm. what I've also learned is like, uh, specifically when it comes to like building and creating things, especially in the content world, the distribution matters so much more than the product. Um, and so like, you know, you can bring in a list celebrities to your podcast. Realistically though, it's not going to go and spread unless they're the ones retweeting it. You're, you're getting like, you know, ads to it. You're growing a newsletter. Like, like you have to really work on the distribution side. If you want to go and create a great product. Like yeah. I bet you like with our 25 podcasts today, I bet you if for the next 90 days, if I didn't record a single new podcast, we could probably double our listenership. If, all I did was just turn all of that, like all of those podcasts into like, you know, little social snippets and emails mm-hmm. and like, you know, reaching out to publicists and being like, Hey, like, you'll never believe this story, by the way, backlink to our podcast kind of thing. Um, right. And, and so like, I think that's uh, definitely a big factor too, is like really focus on the distribution. Um, another one that I like, and I actually tweeted this out yesterday or no, a couple of days ago was we've recorded 24 episodes, every episode, roughly about an hour long. So like you can make a claim that we've record recorded uh what is it 24 hours of podcasts. Uh mm-hmm. but assuming and this is kind of using rough math here so it's not perfect but assuming that everyone listens to all the podcasts uh now that's kind of crazy to think that those 24 hours translates into uh like 11,000 hours of listens and like somebody told me to do this math the other day like when you actually go and do that out that is 458 days of like people listening to just like me and geo talk right right uh, which is like over a year of audio content which is mind-blowing right and that's mm-hmm. from 24 hours and so i think that's that's kind of another piece of things that i've learned is like do things that can go and scale even when you're not there and so whether that's creating a tweet in 30 seconds that people still see five months later or creating a long-form audio content that you know if i go and google a guest name now i can go and listen to an interview from them you know from six years ago or something like that uh Mm -hmm. doing things that like can scale beyond your own time yeah yeah i think both of those are are great insight there and um it's yeah it's just been so cool being able to talk with different people like whether they are 
people I didn't know that I got set up with through, you know, like a podcast pairing group or found them across like LinkedIn or being able to have conversations with some of my friends who I think are successful and kind of get to ask them questions that I wouldn't normally, at least in a one-on-one setting or because I see them so infrequently and you're kind of just hanging out, having a good time. Um, it, it just opens it up to, to putting it in like a interview format, but also it can be conversational and you can just get to know them at, to a better standpoint. And, and obviously you just, I love hearing stories too. I love getting people's stories and hearing it's fun reading about people and trying to put together their story and then hearing them put it to actually tell you what their story is too. I like the comparison. Stories are the best part. Like honestly, during some podcasts, like before the podcast even starts, I'll turn to the guests be like, Hey, kind of crazy stories from like starting this because like what always usually happens is we record for an hour and this happened a lot in the early parts we would record for an hour and then we would kind of just like shoot the shit for like five or ten minutes like like while we're waiting for like some things to upload and, and finish all that mm-hmm. and then like a crazy story comes out i'm like dude you should have just said this on the podcast i turned off the record button man what the hell <laughs> yeah and I, and I gotta say too the one other skill that i've learned a lot from the podcasting is asking good questions is really hard. And I think that if you've never like done an interview style or done a podcast before, you don't actually realize that until you find yourself like asking a question and then rambling for like 15 seconds after the question's been asked because you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I want to make sure that they like, actually understand what I'm saying. Uh, right. Whereas like you listen to these guys like Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss and like some of the top podcasters out there and they nail it every time. They make it look so easy, mm-hmm. but truthfully, it's very difficult. Yeah, their questions are fantastic, and that's always something that I'm trying to model after and just get a better understanding because it'll be just ones where you're sitting there listening to it, and you're like, oh, shit, Like I wasn't even thinking of that sitting here. Like That's a hell of yeah. a question. Yeah, totally agreed. So I guess speaking of which, do you have any crazy stories from your travels? <laughs> um like are we talking like just like i've got i've got plenty of stories I've, we've been to like i've been i think i've been to like over 30 countries at this point. So i saw some... that was what it was yeah yeah what's what's your favorite story from your traveling so actually i'll, I'll bring this up because we already kind of mentioned it a little bit on the podcast but we went to bali for a month right um and like at the time we were doing a good amount in cardly sales but like we weren't making a lot of money personally because every dollar we were reinvesting it right back into the business mm-hmm. uh so it's like you know we made we made a hundred thousand dollars or something like that that month cool now we have to go and like buy more inventory for the following month so it's just a constant cycle of reinvesting the dollar those dollars to go and make more um that's it, just kind of like the the constraint with e-commerce so we were living pretty frugally when we were over there in bali but like the things everything was dirt cheap but geo had brought his drone over uh mm-hmm. he, he had a drone and we we're staying in this place it costs us like a hostel it's basically like eight dollars a day each uh super cheap and we went on airbnb and we we're like okay like what's the nicest place in all of indonesia or like all of like really like bali and the outskirts of bali yeah and so we just basically turned on airbnb to like max price filter like not much of a geographic restriction and we were finding things that were like you know two thousand dollars a night which like you know, in the U.S., like two thousand dollars a night is already a lot. In Indonesia, two thousand dollars a night is like the equivalent of like twenty thousand a night in the U.S. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking like like mega complex mansions. Uh, and so we're like, all right, like we're not trying to spend two thousand dollars a night though. So what I did is I went on and basically DM'd uh, Gio and did Gio and I both did this, but we DM'd like fifty of the top uh, Airbnbs that were super expensive but didn't look like they had like the best photos mm-hmm. and we we're like hey 
like we're you know uh local journalism students like traveling around uh southeast <laughs> asia and like we have our drone with us like if you want to look it up it's like the dji maverick pro or whatever like that like super mm-hmm. high quality lens um just want to like give you a heads up like uh we're offering to go and do free photography and a video for the top airbnb's like airbnb listings so like you know notice like here's the conversion rate if you go and like have better photos whatever like that um it would be totally for free all we'd ask is like you don't have any guests for like a few days so we can like sleep there and, and shoot during the day or something like that um and geo ms must have messaged the wrong person because his airbnb account got banned for like a year after that um but mine like i i must have landed on the right person because this italian woman mm-hmm. uh was awesome that she had this property that she ran over there on nusa panita this like island off of bali that was like such a cool spot and she was like oh yeah like meet up with me for drinks i want to make sure you guys aren't weirdos whatever uh so we got drinks with this lady and she's like okay cool yeah like you guys seem normal like you got a camera like i definitely need better photos uh yeah we'll put you up for like these four days no no charge or anything like that like i'll have my staff wait on you and stuff like that uh, and so she's like the like, geo can't come because i saw he's banned on airbnb <laughs> yeah 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 right like, we, we can't see that guy's profile so like <laughs> he's sketch, yeah uh, but yeah but carter you're good um and so we ended up going there and she like put us up for a couple of nights. We took a bunch of like drone photography and videos and all that kind of stuff. I edited it up in Lightroom and all that stuff. Um, and like basically like went snorkeling during the day, like shot during the golden hours and things like that. The staff would like make us breakfast and lunch. It was so cool. Uh, so that was, that was probably my, my best story. Mm. Probably my, if I, if we have time, my, my yeah. least favorite story is for two years in a row. Um, we, would try to go over to China to buy, um, to, to find new suppliers and work on new products and like even meet with our existing suppliers to talk to them about about our upcoming product line. Mm -hmm. And this is while we were in school and we basically, uh, I don't know why we did this two years in a row. So stupid, but Hong Kong is a 16 hour flight from Boston. And so on like a Thursday evening at like 10 PM, we got on this flight. I think, I don't know if we skipped it, I think it skips a day. Yeah, I think it skips a day or whatever. Cause we would leave like Thursday at like midnight, essentially, mm-hmm. show up to Hong Kong Saturday at 7 a.m., do a whole, and this is like, I think a 12 hour time zone difference. Like, I forget, I think it's 12 hours. Do a whole day of touring the fa- like fair, like run through all the, like the trade room shows, all that kind of stuff, meet suppliers, go out for drinks that night with all the suppliers who want to like drink with us and stuff like that. Sunday, do the same thing. And then, sunday evening fly back for another 16 hour flight wow for for some reason we did that two years in a row and it just like like jet lagged and exhausted for like a week after like i think we got sick both weeks after not because like china is a bad place or anything but purely just from like like we sleep we slept like three hours in like a weekend or whatever yeah uh, and we're just like running around all day so uh definitely would not recommend doing that to <laughs> wouldn't to you over. wouldn't recommend going just doing a weekend in china in yeah Hong no, Kong. no not 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 the move for sure but we yeah. got a, like if you ever are manufacturing stuff around china i will say meeting with the suppliers in person actually makes like an insanely big difference yeah how so they just take you way serious, way more serious. Like, again, mm-hmm. I'm saying like, I'm saying that from a perspective where like, we're spending 20,000 or 30,000 a month with them, whatever our costs were that month. So like, right. you would think that they would take you seriously prior because like you're a big client. And then as soon as you show up and they're like, they can put a face to like this online ID. Mm-hmm. Now they'll like, they'll move mountains for you. They'll, yeah. they'll do whatever it takes to keep your business. 
Um, and so, and also if you're running to any product issues, showing up to talk through it versus trying to like stay up late at night and like, you know, communicate over WeChat or anything like that definitely makes yeah. a big difference. That's yeah, that is, that's wild. I can't believe you guys did that two years in a row without that. It would not recommend exhausting. it. would not go back for a third year. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the last question I have for you is, is there anything that you would have done differently knowing what you know now? Specifically with Cardly? Um, I guess anything within your within your career path so far. Um, I I I don't know. It's t- it's tough to say because I'd say like the the obvious answer in my mind would probably say to not have a not have maybe taken a job at Privy, but I feel like I learned a lot and I I got like like I can't say what I would know now had I not taken that. Right. And like I said, like. I met a ton of cool people there. So I probably still would have done it, but I don't know if I would have stayed on for a full nine months. Maybe I would have left six months or something like that. Um, so it's kind of tough to tell. I will I will share one more story that I, like, mm-hmm. this is a, a dumb thing that I probably wouldn't have done again. But when we were selling Cardly, I there was like this five week period where like, like I said, like we did not take a lot of money from the company at all. So like, still didn't have like, you know, you make some money on co-ops and stuff like that. But like I said, I traveled a lot in college and like I would spend a lot of it. And so I still didn't have a ton of money saved up and I wanted to like have a good senior year. And so we had the sale of Cardly from like January 1st to like February 15th when everything finally cleared and the due diligence was all done. And I got a job waiting tables in between that time because I was like, ah, oh, there's nothing for me to do with Cardly anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I worked like <laughs> do five like weeks. to keep yourself busy, man. <laughs> I do, I really do. I, I worked for like five weeks serving tables, uh, and then like just quit. Like so it was like a two two-week onboarding period, mm-hmm. three weeks where I worked like two shifts a week, and then I just quit because I was like, Yeah, I like the cash flow coming in, it's good beer money. Um, mm-hmm. and then I just like I turned to that my manager, I was like, Hey, I gotta be honest with you, like I know you're probably gonna be pissed off about this, but like I just sold my company and like I, I'm not going to work here anymore. They're like, you, you had a company. I was like, I didn't mention that in the interview, but yes. <laughs> and so, I was, uh, so I was like, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did you leave same day there? Cause I'm assuming with Privy you left and gave a like, couple weeks notice or something, but with the restaurant job, did he give a couple weeks or you just walk out on the spot there? Uh, Privy, I gave a couple weeks for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. The restaurant job, I was like, I'm, I'm not showing up for the next shift. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but for what it's worth, I still think mm-hmm. even telling them was probably more than they get from a lot of employees. Right. Uh, I think, I think a lot yeah. of employees in that industry just ghost. Honestly. Yeah. Yep. Well, Connor, I think that's a great point to wrap up, man. Is there, uh, what do you want to plug here at the end of this? Um, like, honestly, if, if anyone's on Twitter and wants to like check things out, we've talked about Twitter a lot. So I'm just at C underscore GRO. Um, and if you want to kind of go and check out some other people, I mean, our podcasts are pretty similar in a way, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're young people doing interesting things. So if you want to find more content like this, uh, my podcast is just the next generation. Cool. And you can find links to that in the show notes and uh, all of Connor's companies there too. But thanks a ton for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on here and, and giving us your story. I mean, it's really cool. And I'm glad that uh, we had some friends who could link us up together. Yeah, Zach, it was a blast. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, Connor Gross, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of After School Program. You can follow Connor on Twitter at C underscore G-R-O and listen to him on the Next Generation Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps to grow and bring in new listeners. Thanks for listening and see you next week.